Well, good morning. It is a great morning. Gosh, uh, special thanks to the worship team leading us into God's presence like that. I love being with them and being a part of that. Love being with you. We're going to spend the next little bit of time doing something really important. We're going to dig down into God's Word and see what it is that God is saying to us and speaking to us as a congregation through the Bible this morning. And I just I want to say, uh, Pastor Mike, thanks for the chance to be up here. I love that. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I, I oversee some of the discipleship stuff. Thank you. You're very kind. Um, and uh, I pause sometimes to go, what is it? Why is it that we would give such a high place every time we get together to study in Scripture? Why would we do that? Because it's important. And uh, I, I brought a little show and tell this morning. This Bible... This Bible is powerful. This Bible contains truth. This Bible tells us the way things are from a divine perspective that supersedes our own. And then this particular Bible is dear to me. It tells a story that nothing else could. Um, This Bible was given to me by my grandmother. Uh, Yeah, my grandmother, uh, Jerry Van Dam. But it was given to her by her mother, Emma Gillespie Edmison. But it was given to her by her mother, Katie Amber Smith Gillespie. And it was given to her by her mother, Sarah Smith Yearsley, who, when she was two years old, came across the United States in a covered wagon and landed in California. Isn't that great? Like, like I got a family history here. And when I think about all the different ways that God's truth has impacted generation after generation after generation, it, it's all here in a tangible object. But I got to tell you this, the power of what's in here is not linked to the people who have carried this book through the family history. The power of what's in here is the truth that it contains. So you may be handing, uh, reading a multi-generational family Bible, or you may be reading you know, an app on your iPhone. If it's the Word of God, it's the Word of God, and it's powerful, and that's why we study it. Now listen, we don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus. We make no mistake about that. We don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus. But where do we learn about Jesus? In the Bible. What did Jesus look to to shape his sense of truth and understanding? The scriptures that he already had in the Old Testament. If we want to know what Jesus felt and thought was true, it's right here. So as part of our worship of him, we pursue the truth that's in this book. And so we're closing out this series upside down, looking at the words of Jesus and understanding he was teaching the world to see everything around them in a brand new way, which was different from every way that they'd seen it before. And we're going to see this morning in particular that that Jesus is in the business of transforming us and changing us. We're going to see that there's like two different pictures, two different images that he gives us. The way that he changes our whole life from the inside out. The first one is going to be talking about Jesus changing us on the inside. And then the second image is going to talk about once that change has begun, what does it start looking like on the outside? So we're going to dive in right here, Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 43. And Luke records the words of Jesus this way. This is what he says. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, and nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from buyers. A good man, here's the parallel, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. 
And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What a powerful passage. Let's just kind of dig in to make sure we grasp the lesson there. And starting with this. And it talks about, he's talking about the fruit of our life. The things that show up on the outside of our life. And the fact is this, the fruit on the outside reveals the truth on the inside. Those outer features of our life, the things that show, be they good or be they evil, they reveal something about what's really taking place or needs to take place on the inside. He speaks, Jesus speaks specifically about words, right? He says, what the, the words of a man give expression to whatever is in him, good or evil. And there's something we got to catch about that. This is really important. I grew up in a, in a home that was uh, a very Christian home, went to church, and one of the things I learned early on in my family is that there are certain words that you do not say. I'd give you a list of those words, but I might get in trouble, right? But I think we all know that list of words that you just do not say. And, you know, it's possible when we hear that that we go, well, that's just a list of, like, the naughty words, and only the people with the potty mouth use those words, and those words are bad, and so don't speak them. And, like, I get that, but, can, but please understand, the reason we don't use coarse, harsh, um, ugly, potty mouth language is not just because those words are on the disapproved list. God's, God doesn't have these tender, sensitive ears that'll get offended because he's heard something that he, a word that he didn't like. But God does understand that the words we speak reflect something about what's down inside. And when we speak harshly, and when we speak crassly and rudely, and give voice to those words that shall not be named, when we do that, it's not the words themselves. It's the heart that they reveal. God calls us to be a people of purity, and so whose speech is pure. God calls us to be people who are encouraging, and so our words are encouraging and not the other way around, right? That's an incredibly important principle because, uh, it, because it carries over into so many areas. Uh, just recently, my wife and I, we were on a road trip. We were visiting our in-laws uh, in the Phoenix area. And you know when you're on the road trip and you got the cruise control going set at exactly the speed that you want to and everything is great until that person pulls over in front of you for the express purpose of slowing down. And now I have to take my foot all the way over to the brake pedal and mess up the whole cruise control thing. And I found myself saying this to Rochelle every time that happened. I would look at that car, and I would point to them, and I'd say, Rochelle, that is a terrible person. <laughs> now, here's the thing. That person didn't hear my words. That person doesn't know what I said about them. The only thing that those words really conveyed is that there's something wrong on the inside of me. Right? It, it's, it's not that I said the words terrible person. It's that I've got a heart, I discover, that's inclined to look at other people who are inconveniencing me and feel like, oh, well, they must be terrible. That, that's got to change. Right? That's an interior thing that's got to change that I'm made aware of because of what happens on the outside. And by the way, most of our conduct, Jesus spoke in this passage right, specifically about the words. 
But it carries over into all kinds of our behavior. And we have to understand this, that it's not just the behaviors. There's a heart that needs to be changed. Pick whatever sin it is for you, whichever one it is that trips you up. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's gluttony. Maybe it's lying. I don't know. You've got your own kind of special place. The problem isn't just the activity on the outside. There's something there on the inside that needs to get fixed. It's not just that there's an activity i got to get better at. It's that there's an inside of me that Jesus has yet to transform, but that he wants to. And here's the thing. We have to understand that because without that, all our attempts and all of our efforts at being good, upright, holy people just become legalism. We measure our success by whether we did or did not do that sin. We measure our progress by whether we could or could not conquer that habit. There's nothing wrong about avoiding sin. There's nothing wrong about saying no to temptation. There's nothing wrong to overcoming habits that the enemy would use to, to, uh, to snare us in. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we measure our success surely by our ability to exercise willpower and get the job done, we've missed something. We will become legalistic. We will lose that heart of relationship and we will just define ourselves by our behavior alone. And Jesus didn't get along so well with the people that lived their life that way. See, God works on us from the inside out. He begins by accepting us and loving us and changing our heart. And then that ends up changing our behavior. This is backwards from our instinct. Every part of our instinct feels like things go the other way, right? We naturally think, if I'm just good enough, if I conquer my bad habits, if I generate enough willpower on my own, if I live up to God's expectations, then I can clear the high bar of God's moral perfection. If I, if I, if I, if I. And Jesus came and he turned that notion upside down and inside out. See, the gospel is the exact opposite of that. It says, you know what? You're not good enough. It says, in your own strength, you'll never fully conquer your bad habits. You can't possibly generate enough willpower. Your sinful heart will not allow you to live up to God's expectations. You will not clear the high bar of God's moral perfection. But Jesus can. And Jesus did, and Jesus can change us from the inside out, and that is what makes all things possible. And so in this passage, we see several things, okay? And the first one is this. We can never hide the evil that's in our heart. What's on the inside, Jesus says, it's going to come up, and it's going to show up, and it's going to reveal itself on the outside. Now, if you're um, a little bit offended that I would look at you and tell you there's evil in your heart, you'll get over it. Because <laughs> that's not just my opinion. That's not just my assessment. I'm not thinking of any one individual of you when I say that. But I know this, that Jeremiah said this about the human heart. That the heart is deceitful above all things and it's beyond cure. Who can understand it? If we're going to take God's word seriously, the starting place is that before Jesus, we've got a heart that's evil, and that evil is going to find its way out. 
Are, does, like, does that evil show up more in some people than others? Of course it does. But let's not kid ourselves that because I show a little less evil than the next guy, that my heart's really pure and righteous. E- that we can never hide the evil in our heart. And also, we can never, never be changed from the outside in. Have you ever had that experience like, oh, there's just this thing in my life I got to change? I've been eating nine meals a day and doing about 4,500 calories a day, and I just, I, I've, I've got to change my eating habits, and so I'm going to do something about that, and I'm going uh, to make a, an Excel spreadsheet, and I'm going to track calories in, and I'm going to track exercise, and I'm going to set goals and targets and graphs, and I'm just going to work really hard, and I'm going to transform myself and change myself, and you know what? Nope. That doesn't produce the change. I mean, those are great things on the outside, but it doesn't change the inside. Have you ever had that one, that one sin that keeps trapping you up, that one habit that, you know, I know it's not right. I, I know God wants better for me. I would love to be free of this thing, but I just can't break free, break free of that. I, 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 I just got to stay away from that website. I just, I, I'm going to have to find a way. And so I try and I exercise and I exercise and I just try to conquer it by trying harder. And, and there's some, you can have success for a season there, Right? But at the end of the day, we're not done. We haven't overcome until we're transformed on the inside. We will never transform ourselves from the outside in. That's why they say on average that those January 1 New Year's resolutions last until about February the 4th. Because we can't change ourselves from the outside in. And we can never be transformed. We can never be transformed simply by the power of of our own effort. Left to our own devices, marshalling every bit of, in, of strength that we can, we do not have what it takes to transform ourselves on the inside. But if we need to be transformed on the inside, if Jesus says, look, you need to, you, you're never going to be pure on the outside until you're pure on the inside, and we need to be transformed for that to happen, and we can't do it, how does it happen? This is what the Apostle Paul said when he was writing to the church in Rome. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. Listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and his pleasing and his perfect will. Transformation, that internal change in which God continually makes us more and more and more like his son Jesus, it requires a renewing of our mind. It requires a fundamentally new way of thinking and of understanding and of seeing and in perceiving the world around us and then participating in it from that perspective it's the our, until our minds are renewed we will not be transformed within uh, the psalmist put it this way david he wrote in psalm 119 he says i have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you right he did not say i have tried really hard with all my efforts so that i won't sin against you 
He, he understood that the process is I take the word of God and I allow it to find the deep places in my heart. I hide God's word in my heart. That word for hide there means like the way you would hide a precious treasure so that you never lose track of it and nobody else can take it from you. You prize that possession, that treasure. I've done that with God's word and I've hidden it there and tucked it away in my heart. And the result of it is that God's word that renews my mind as I interact with it changes me and transforms me. And as a result of that transformation, now I'm free to live a life that's not sinning against God. David understood that. And so we've got to be a people as those who would follow Jesus and seek to be like him that allows the scripture, that allows the scripture to transform us by renewing our mind. How do we do that? We study God's word in a number of different venues and in a number of different ways. We're doing one of them right now. When we come together for corporate worship and hear God's word taught and proclaimed, one of the things we're doing is the word of God is renewing our mind. It's reshaping the way we think. We're hearing out of God's word the things that he's saying to us as a church. I love that idea that on a weekly basis, God says, Mission Viejo Christian Church is getting together. I got something I want to say to them. And so I'm going to highlight it in my word, and it's going to find its way out as we preach the word. And we get God's word to us as a church, as a unique individual body, just like other Christian churches all around the city and all around the area and all around the globe. We hear God's word to us as a church when we gather together for corporate worship. There's another dimension of studying God's word, which is equally important, and that's the time we spend reading the Bible in personal devotion. That time we spend when it's just me and my Bible and God. And that can be first thing in the morning. That can be later on with a cup of coffee. It can be in the evening. But it's time that we set aside and say, God, in addition to hearing, your, God, your word to our church, do you know that the Holy Spirit wants to give you a word from Scripture for you personally? Amen. That he wants to lead you to. And that he wants to guide you to. That he wants to invest in you that way. And I understand if you're not used to reading the Bible and you're newer to the discipline, it can be hard. It can be difficult to understand. The Bible does not read like a John Grisham novel. And, and, and that's okay. But it can be difficult. But you know what? There are resources out there. Several years ago, our, wash, our uh, clothes washer started doing weird things. You'd press one button and it would do something else. And then you'd press a different button and it would do something totally unrelated to that. You, you couldn't get the machine to do what it was supposed to do. And sometimes it just started doing whatever you wanted to do. And it became important to me to fix that. And then it became really important to me that I was going to have to fix that because I looked at what it was going to cost to call the technician out or, heaven help us, replace the thing, right? And so because it was important to me, I found some resources. I went on uh, YouTube and I found out how to take the thing apart, and I found out how to order a new uh, control panel to it, and how to get that sent to me. And then based on those YouTube videos, I got in, was able to install a new control panel, and I was able to restore the washing machine, which was awesome. Yes, congratulations to me, I know. Why am I telling you that? Because I guarantee you this, with no fear of contradiction whatsoever, I guarantee you this. You are more qualified to read the Bible and understand it than I was to repair a washing machine. It, it just became important, and I figured out a way. Can the word of God become important enough? 
can a desire to hear what it is to what God's saying to me today in his word become important enough that I'm going to find some of those resources and do something about it? And, and you know what you'll find out? You can get really good at understanding God's word with only a tiny little inv- of investment of effort. I want to tell you about one resource that we have available for you that could transform your ability to hear what God's speaking to you almost overnight, okay? Um, this is a, a, a resource called Right Now Media, and I got a quick video to show you regarding it, and then we're going to talk a little more. Welcome to our study of the Gospel of John. I have fallen in love with the work of Paul as I've studied the book of 1 Corinthians, and I believe you will too. This is where Jesus taught in Capernaum, and you have to understand this scene. The Lord is my shepherd. And over the next six weeks, we're going to look deeply into the 23rd Psalm. Right now, media. It's for groups. It's for personal devotion. It's for parents. The bullseye of parenting is to raise children who become like Jesus. It's for kids. This is Phil. We're digging into the Bible, which, as we've mentioned, is more than just a book. It's for tough times. So when you recognize that you're trying to have a conversation with your spouse and they're not ready to talk, it's not helpful to keep pressing them. It's for every phase of life. If you've made mistakes with money, you know what that makes you? Over 12. And now, it's yours. We've purchased a Right Now Media subscription for everyone in our church. So check your inbox for the digital invitation and download the app for instant access to thousands of biblically-based videos. Get equipped. Get inspired. So every part of that is correct except the part that says check your inbox. Okay? What you can, if, if access to a library of like tens of thousands of some of the best biblical study video resources is of interest to you. That's available free. We just need to know that you're interested or this is probably the best way. Back at Connection Point, they've got a QR code that you hold your camera up to. It takes you to the website where you just plug in your email address and they will, uh, they will hook you up, the Right Now Media, and you'll have an account with them and you'll have access to all of that. So don't go there now, because I don't want to look at everyone's backs while you do that. But when we're done here, head back there and, and do that. That'll be great. Or you can talk to the people at Connection Point. They'll answer any questions that you have that way. But that is just one of many ways that that personal time of study of God's Word can be ramped up. And you'll be hearing God's voice as spoken to you through Scripture right away. There's that venue when we come together in corporate worship on a Sunday. There's the personal time of devotion that we spend when it's just us and God. But there's another venue that's really important that does some things that nothing else can do. And that's what happens when smaller groups of people get together and study and process God's word as they do life together. Something happens there that doesn't happen anywhere else. And uh, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine. Her name is Dana Carr-Brown. Come on up, Dana. Thank you. Yep. Dana's been coming to the church for a while. Now I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a second. Uh, but she's, uh, I think I, I want you to hear 
what she's experienced and the way that um, uh, studying God's word with a group of others has really made some things come alive. So Dana, welcome. So glad you're here. Would you give us a, just a quick introduction of who you are and, and what you're about? My name is Dana. I am a single mom of an 11-year-old daughter, and I've been in Mission Viejo for five and a half years. Um, I am a headhunter by day, and I have a passion for helping single moms by night. So uh, I have a company called in Modern Single Mom Tribe. So we help single moms with all things um, building career. Yeah, awesome. Wonderful. Now, uh, Back in the day, you, were, you interned at a large church and have a kind of a, a good, strong background, background in Christianity and faith. Tell us a little bit about how um, interaction with God's Word and, and studying God's Word has been a, a part of your spiritual journey and part of your growth. So it's been amazing. And I'm not one of those people that can read a verse, remember where it is, and take you to it in the Bible. I've just never been that person. But what I found over the years is in times of need... Mm -hmm. it's there. That word just comes out. And um, it just becomes, you know, a way of life. And I had a big meeting on Wednesday, and I was walking my daughter to school, and she said, you know, Mom, you seem distracted. I said, oh, my boss is coming in. It's a really big meeting. And she said, okay, Mom. And she was walking off to school. She turned around and said, I'm going to pray for you. Oh, She's 11. Yeah. Excellent. Yes, I love that. I love that. So, Dana, just recently, you just finished up going through our seven-week small group, Next Steps, and that was kind of like your first experience here at the church of doing that with a small group of others and, and studying God's Word together. Can you talk, talk to us a little bit about like, the impact of doing that together in a small group that made, made that different from maybe Sunday mornings or your own time in God's Word? For me, it brought the Bible to life in a really, in a new way um, and made it applicable in a different way because you read the scriptures at home, you do the homework, but then you come back to the class and you get to hear, I guess it's not a class, group. but you come back to the group and you get to hear what other people in the group got out of it. And it really did expand how I was thinking about the scripture, challenged me in some areas, and... Um, the relationships that came out of that. Like, so I've been coming here, slipping in and out for five years. Now when I show up, I've got a group of people going, we're sitting over here. Um, All right. And if I don't show up, I get texts. <laughs> but, they're, they're, but they're like, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? We missed you today. It's very warm and inviting. And I feel more at home here today than I did for the last four years. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So it can be intimidating, though, at the beginning to go, I'm going to go get together with a group of people who are right now, as of this moment, are strangers to me, and I don't know what I'm, what I'm going to end up with and what that's going to be like. That, that's a hurdle. What would you say to someone who's kind of on the edge and not sure that they want to kind of take that step into being part of a group like that? You can literally go and say nothing. <laughs> You can literally go because there'll be somebody or two or three people in the group who are more comfortable and you'll get comfortable. You know, it's like, it's such a small risk for such a huge reward. Yeah, awesome. You know? Awesome. Very good. Dana, thank you. Thank you so much. If I could just multiply that over and over and over in the life of our church, 
I would be so excited, but who cares about me? I think God would be pleased, and I think this city would be a different place. And so I just want to put it to you that perhaps your quest for interacting with God's word in a way that's fresh and dynamic and empowering needs that next step of doing that with a group. There's going to be another Next Steps group starting soon, so you can register either online or back at Connection Point that way. Um, I would love to talk with you about that as well. If you're thinking, I just need to get into a life group, Next Steps, it's like your first life group. It's designed that way. You're on your way into a life group. Next Step is how you get there. So I would love to talk with you about that. Not just because there's a program that I want to be successful, but I believe that connecting people to what God's saying in his word and to how they're living it out with other people is at the very heart of discipleship and how we change this city for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For sure. Okay. So that's that first word picture that Jesus gives us, right? The picture that of, the, of, the, of the tree. Whatever's on the inside finds its way to the outside, and there's no changing what's on the outside until we transform what's on the inside through the power of God's word renewing our minds. That's where we got to. That's where we are. And it's really important that that came first because in this next section, Jesus is going to talk about, okay, once that's gotten started with the assumption and presuming that that's already underway, now we're going to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus at at that stage of the game, okay? And so Jesus continues on and he says, starting with verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. If you were fortunate enough to be one of those kids who grew up in Sunday school singing, the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? That particular song does not come from this passage in Luke. It comes from one of the accounts in the other gospel where it says it's the wise man who does this. In this account of the gospel, this is not about the distinction between wise people and foolish people, although that absolutely applies, and Jesus absolutely did teach that. But in this case, and in this passage, what he's saying is this is the difference between obedient people and disobedient people. There is a stability, there is a fearlessness that only obedience to the commands of Christ will produce. Now understand, we're presuming already that the inside-out transformation is underway. Once that's going, it's time for us to allow that to take shape in obedience on the outside. For the person who's following Jesus, the difference between stability on the one hand and complete destruction, those are Jesus' words, on the other hand, comes down to one thing, putting Jesus' words into practice. So, following the thought of this particular passage, we must always, we must always declare that Jesus is Lord. That's a strong statement. 
Jesus is Lord, like, there, it, it, there are a couple of levels there. Jesus is Lord is a recognition that, like, over all creation, over all that exists, uh, God the Father has made him Lord of all. But it's also very personal that when I call him Lord, I'm saying, you're in charge of me. I'm, when someone is Lord, master, they're the one that gets to make the calls. And I'm the one that gets to live them out. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do what I ask you to do? That's a strong challenge. It's a very strong challenge. I guess Jesus says, this is about people who are going to put my words into practice. So this, this would lead us probably to the second point here to take note of, and that is this, that we must always know what it is that Jesus is saying. If we're supposed to do what he says, we've got to become pretty familiar with what it is that he's saying. And where do we find that? And where do we find that? In the Bible, thank you. That's one of the reasons that we study. It's one of the reasons that we return there again and again and again in different uh, formats and in different venues. We need to know what Jesus is saying. We need to hear his voice. And then once we've declared that he is Lord, and once we're aware of what he's saying, then we have to do as Jesus directs. I'm telling you, it is dangerous business to declare Jesus is Lord and then start looking into what he asks you to do. Jesus, you're Lord, and you're, tell- you're asking me and telling me and commanding me, forgive my enemy. I'm saying Jesus is Lord, and I'm reading in his word that I'm supposed to be kind and to love those who persecute me. Step one, step two, lead to an inevitable step three. What am I going to do about that? I'm either going to obey, which Jesus says makes my life steadfast and firm and untouchable by the storms that come up against this life, or I'm going to take a pass, which makes my life vulnerable to complete destruction Because in the decision, I will not do what Jesus directs me to do is a contradiction of my statement that Jesus is Lord. So we study the scriptures. We, and I just want to put this out there. We study the scriptures on a Sunday morning. My prayer is that every Sunday morning when God's word is being proclaimed here, we come in with an attitude of worship that says Jesus is Lord, and then we hear what Jesus is saying in the scriptures, and then we say, God, what do you need to change in me as a result. And that when we midweek and hopefully daily are studying God's word on our own, we're, we're not just checking a box that says, okay, I read my chapter, or I read my chapters, or, or I, I stuck with the plan. But in the midst of reading, we're saying, Holy Spirit, direct me. Tell me what I need to change. Every time we read through scripture, we should ask ourselves, what's that step that we're being called to? What is Jesus saying so that I can get on with obeying it so that my, white, so that my life can be stable and protected and safe? And when we gather together in small groups, that we listen to what is being spoken by one another in ways that help us 
uh, bring light to those areas of our own life and our own experience where we just know we got to step up. We got to change because I got to obey Jesus. Real simply, I want to just like condense down to a few action points for you to consider, a few action items. And the first one is this. Read, whatever your habit is, whatever your rhythm is of being in God's word, I want to encourage you either to establish it or stick with it. We've got to have our minds renewed. And our minds are renewed by scripture in ways that nothing else can. That's how we get transformed. So if you're not regularly in scripture, I'm going to ask you to to do that so that you can walk a, a, a life that's powerful. So that you're you're living the life that's built and founded on the rock, not on the sand. Again, so there's that. Then there's ask. So read and then ask. While you're reading, always ask. In, in the course of what I'm studying, I'm not just picking up head knowledge and facts and data and ideas that I didn't know before, but in every encounter with Scripture, God, what are you asking me to do? How are you asking me to respond? Jesus, how are you directing me? Sunday mornings, personal devotion times, life groups and small groups. Jesus, what are you asking me to do in view of this? In view of this, to read and to ask, again, to connect. To connect your study of God's words with other people who are walking through this life of following Jesus with you in a way that is, un- that is uh, powerful and life-changing. And then decide. As you ask those questions in and amongst those connected relationships, to, ask, to go ahead and decide are you going to do what Jesus says or not? And to be brutally honest with yourself about that. Are you going to do what Jesus is asking you to do? Or are you not? There's a, there's a real important decision that gets made at the front end of that. And many of us at some point along the way have made a decision with our lives that we were going to follow Jesus because we believe that what the Bible says about him is true. That he was God's unique one and only son who in his death on the cross paid the price for our sins and that when God raised him from the dead literally, God accepted that he indicated that sacrifice and that we could have a relationship with God that was no longer um, interrupted by our own sinfulness. And that God now, through Jesus, provides a way that we can be transformed and changed and live eternally with him the way God intended us to do. A lot of us have made the decision, because of all that, to follow Jesus with our whole heart and our whole life. We say, we call him Lord, Lord. And we try and hear what he's saying. And we try and follow up with some obedience there. But maybe you've not made that decision. And, and maybe you've been thinking about it for a while. And you've been mulling it over. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever considered that. It it hardly matters. What I do want to do is to take a moment and just say, if that's a decision that that you're ready to make, I want to help you make it. It's really simple. It's just a matter of declaring that I believe what God says in the scriptures and I'm ready to follow Jesus and allow him to transform me and make me more like him. That prayer, when we pray that prayer, sets in motion a, cha- uh, a series of changes in your life that more and more and more let you walk into that kind of life that God desires for you and designed you for. If you're ready to make that decision today, 
I will pray these words out loud. I'm asking you to pray these words in your heart. And this will be the beginning for you of a lifetime of following Jesus and being transformed by him. Heavenly Father, today I come to you. I acknowledge there's evil in my heart that needs to be purged and transformed. I confess that I'm a sinner and that I can't get out of that by any amount of effort on my own. But I believe that what Jesus did in his life and in his death on the cross and in his subsequent being raised from the dead, God, I, I believe that that is what it took to transform me in a way I couldn't transform myself. And so having confessed my sin, God, I ask you to forgive my sin, not because of my efforts, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I place my faith in him. I believe that as I accept him and, and invite him to take up a place of lordship in my heart, that I will begin that process of being transformed and changed. Jesus, I want to follow you with all my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength as I follow you and as I worship you. And God, I ask your help to live a life of obedience to you in doing that. Now and today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. If, that, if you prayed that prayer today in your heart, and this was the first time you've done that, I would so like to help you take the steps going forward. We'd love to know about that. You can fill out a Connect card. There's a spot to comment that you uh, said yes to Jesus there. You can take that card back to uh, Connection Point. You can talk to any of our pastors up front. We'd be love to talk with you about that. But if you've made that decision and took that step, that's something worth celebrating, and we want to celebrate it with you. So please do let us know about that. One of the things that we do each week as Jesus followers, we remember the centrality of Jesus' work on the cross. And we do that by receiving the elements of communion. In the uh, seat back in front of you, there's a little uh, cup that has some communion elements. And uh, we're going to continue with some music and some scriptures that help us to kind of focus our attention and to remember what Christ did on the cross and to remember the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body. Um, take a reflective moment and, and let God remind you what he's done. As a follower of Jesus, that's the central part of who we are. And then in the moments when you're ready, you can kind of open those wrappers, take the wafer representing Christ's body that's broken, open the juice and drink that, which reminds us of Christ's blood. And in doing so, be reminded of the power of God's grace and the love of Christ shed abroad in our hearts. And then uh, we'll kind of conclude with one last song and we'll send us out into our day. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.